Last night on Super Tuesday, Bernie Sanders was soundly defeated by Joe Biden in the majority of Super Tuesday states. Naturally, many of the Bernie Sanders supporters are crying foul, calling it a rigged primary, saying Bernie or bust 2020. Some Democrats are cheering the voter turnout because it was up in some states. But if a portion of Bernie voters are going Bernie or bust, don't count on it especially considering Trump's support in some states is also up dramatically when they didn't even need to go out to the primary. Now, here's the thing. This defeat was well-deserved, and it's about time. These people learned that their opinions and ideas are fringe. The majority of Americans do not agree with them and want a viable alternative to Donald Trump. Now, I will be fair and say the people rallying behind Joe Biden don't actually know what they're voting for, Because the polls have been swinging up and down left and right and make no sense. A lot of people want a moderate candidate. So the moderates bowed out, got behind Joe Biden. And in my opinion, that is horrifying. That was the best they could do. But hey, that's the best they could do. Now, while Bernie Sanders supporters and the far left are screaming that it was a coup, that it was rigged, they're blaming the media. Cenk Uygur of the Young Turks, for instance, was nearly crying in a video published on Twitter talking about Bernie Sanders' defeat. Now, it's possible Bernie Sanders still pulls ahead. But most of these people on the far left, these socialists, they are the few and far between. Their opinions are fringe. And even though the Democratic establishment and the media, of course they lie, of course they play games, guess what? They're not manipulating votes. They're not showing up and changing numbers. Regular Americans are coming out and voting against you. And it's about time you learn your lesson and stop pushing insane fringe conspiracy theories, implying that the vote numbers had been changed. The reality is the vote, the moderate vote was split to begin with, with Klobuchar, with Buttigieg, with Biden and Bloomberg. And many Bernie supporters were bragging that these people were splitting up the moderate votes, giving Bernie the lead he needs because the progressives will rally behind him. So what happens? The, pro- the, the moderate Democrats drop out, endorse Joe, and now they're crying foul about it. You knew exactly what was happening. I look back to 2016 when Bernie was saying, we're going to a contested convention. Now saying, no, we shouldn't go to a contested convention. Spare me. Your opinions change when you are set to gain or lose power. That's what it's all about. But I want to show you something. It's not just about Bernie Sanders. You want to know the proof that the progressives are the odd people out there, the losers? So back in 2018, The Economist released data showing that the overwhelming majority, I think out of like 78, 71 primaries were won by moderate Democrats. Ocasio-Cortez was a fluke. Her, Her opponent, Joe Crowley, was arrogant and didn't debate her and didn't think he needed to do anything. He ended up losing. Ocasio-Cortez might actually lose her seat when the primary, when, when her primary comes up in a couple months. The fact is, many progressives who ran primaries yesterday lost terribly to the moderate established Democrats, proving it's not about a rigged primary. It's not about a rigged election against Bernie Sanders. It's about regular Americans in the Democratic Party saying no to socialism. And I'm going to start with one of the best examples. Cenk Uger of the Young Turks. But before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are several ways you can give, but the best thing you can do is share this video. Now, I absolutely do not think we're going to be breaking any echo chambers on this one because I'm pointing out that in a video, Cenk Uger was nearly in tears. And a lot of people who support Bernie Sanders are just not going to want to hear it. Maybe, maybe you're one of these people. Maybe you don't like me. I can respect that. Please, if you hate me, you're allowed to. Comment below and tell me exactly why. 
but you can at least listen to what I think and why, even if you think I'm wrong. Now, I also notice a lot of people haven't subscribed. YouTube, they, they do things to hurt my channel. Yesterday, my video was demonetized for no reason. My second channel, it happens all the time. The algorithm is, is absolutely impacting my channel and other people's channels. So make sure you subscribe, hit the notification bell if you do want to get videos that I produce. Keeping in mind, it's only a matter of time before they give my channel the axe too. But let me show you the first story. I've got a series of stories to show you why the far left Democrats deserved this defeat. They are fringe and they have been convinced by the echo chamber of Twitter that they have more power than they really do. The Young Turks founder, Cenk Uger, loses bid for Katie Hill's congressional seat. Cenk Uger of the Young Turks, one of the biggest independent political commentary organizations on the internet, maybe even in the world, with millions of subscribers. Guess what he mustered? Around 5%. That's it. In California, where he's supposed to be you know, in his stronghold or whatever, he couldn't even get more than 5% of the primary vote. And he's famous and he's, I believe he's a millionaire. He couldn't get any support. Now, isn't that strange? Even Bloomberg was able to buy support with commercials. The Rap reports, Cenk Uger, the host and creator of the progressive news and opinion program, The Young Turks, lost his bid for the congressional seat vacated by Katie Hill. According to The New York Times, he came in fourth place with about 5% of the vote in California's 25th congressional district. In the lead were Democratic Assemblywoman Christy Smith and Republican defense contractor Mike Garcia, who appear headed for a runoff election. According to the LA Times, former GOP rep Steve Knight, who lost his seat to Hill in 2008, sought to get it back. He came in third place. According to the LA Times, the primary looked likely to produce two Smith-Garcia runoffs, one in May to fill Hill's, to fill Hill's seat for the rest of 2020, and a second in November for the full two-year term beginning in January. Whether it is reporting on politics on his online media company, The Young Turks, co-founding Justice Democrats and electing true progressives to office, founding Wolfpack, an organization dedicated to getting big money out of politics, Cenk Uger has been committed to rooting out corruption in Washington, ending the influence of big money on our politicians, and fighting for policies that improve the lives of every single American, his campaign website reads. Uger, uh, Uger was endorsed by Ro Khanna, et cetera, et cetera. He received praise from Andrew Yang, Andrew, uh, uh, John Cusack. However, as we can see here, I'm starting with Jank because he's famous and he's wealthy. If any one of these people should have won, it would have been him. But for all his wealth, all of his influence, everything he believed, he couldn't even get 5% and he came in fourth place. Why? The moderate Democratic Assemblywoman won, period. But, but wait, there's more. Down in South Texas, Henry Queller defeats Jessica Cisneros, progressive challenger backed by Warren and AOC. That's right. Ocasio-Cortez endorsed a progressive and the progressive lost, just like in 2018. You want to know how the Democrats won back the House? Moderates in red districts campaigning on moderate policies, promising to address kitchen table issues. Now they're in trouble. And I'll tell you why. Instead of coming out on kitchen table issues like health care, jobs and immigration, what did they do? Orange man bad. And that's the fault of people like AOC who demanded it. Nancy Pelosi led them down this path. And now they are going to lose, at least in my opinion. I could be wrong. I was wrong in 2018. We'll see what happens. I don't see why they will win, especially when I show you the turnout numbers. 
A lot of Democrats are cheering, saying, look at our turnout is so high. Wait till you see what Donald Trump's turnout is. It's even better. But first, let's read about these progressives who lost, because there's a couple more I want to show you. They say Loretto Rep. Henry Queller, one of the most conservative Democrats in Congress, fended off a serious primary challenge from Jessica Cisneros, a 26-year-old immigration lawyer who brought the full force of the progressive left to South Texas. This is South Texas. South Texas went for Bernie Sanders. That's my understanding, okay? This is a very progressive area, yet an immigration lawyer could not win there. They wanted the conservative Democrat. Queller, an eight-term incumbent, secured a narrow victory early Wednesday in one of the most closely watched races across Texas, if not the country. That high profile was saying something too. Given the unusually competitive primary season that formed in the Lone Star State, after six Republican congressmen decided to call it quits and Democrats targeted pickup opportunities in a number of other shifting districts. While much of the attention centered on North Texas, the state's primary map was chock full of intriguing matchups. In South Texas, Cisneros came out of nowhere to put Queller on the defensive. She tagged him as an out-of-touch faux Democrat while earning endorsements from progressive all-stars like Warren and AOC. But Queller was backed by Nancy Pelosi and groups funded by the Kochs, a family of GOP megadonors. Countered that Cisneros was an unin- uh, wasn't countered, was an, uh, countered that Cisneros was an uninformed interloper who didn't understand the centrist sensibilities of a border district that stretches from McAllen to San Antonio. So that's the moderate coming after the progressive. But now we jump over to California, where I'm sad to, to, to see Nancy Pelosi has actually defended her district. But can I say I'm surprised? I mean, she's the leader of the party. She's going to win, right? I mean, she's the leader of the party now. She was facing several challenges. Notably, Agatha Basilar was one of the prominent personality set to run against her. And unfortunately, she could only muster around 1.4% of the vote. The progressive challengers absolutely did not pull through. And I know why. Look, as I stated earlier in this video, that these these progressive values that a lot of these people espouse are fringe. I, I Look, I'm not trying to rag on y'all who hold these views, but the reality is most of America does not agree. In the past year, Gallup tracked that less people identify as Democrats now and more people identify as conservatives. That's called walk away. There's a reason why your politics are hurting the left. Americans don't want them. Now, I have the results here just to quickly show you Joe Biden beating Bernie Sanders. But I want to show you why that happened. Many young voters sat out Super Tuesday contributing to Bernie Sanders losses. This is like the get woke, go broke of politics. When they do these movies that embrace this fringe, ridiculous ideology and then don't make any money and they're like, oh, I'm so shocked this would happen. Why? We made a movie about something that no one likes and no one agrees with and we lost money doing it. How could that have happened? This is the same thing. You ever see that episode of South Park where the hippies show up and the the town agrees to put on this big hippie festival? And then when Cartman is going nuts saying like, don't do it, the mayor says, but it'll be great. We'll make a lot of money. He says, hippies don't have money. This is the same thing. Why are you going after the youth vote? They never come out to vote. These people pretend like they care about the revolution. They want to fit in. But do you think they want to get up and go vote? No, they're playing video games, dude. They don't care. 
It has always been this way. Now, fine. If you want to rally young people, I understand why you would, because they tend to vote progressive. We've, we've seen some Democrats saying, let's lower the voting age to 16. Why? They're not going to come out. They're going to go with their friends to Burger King and have a burger and flick French fries at each, French fries at each other. I know. That's what I, me and my friends used to do. We go to Wendy's. We go skate. We don't, I'm not going to do this. We're not, we wouldn't come out for this. We're at the park. You're out. You're out on election day. And we got all the streets to ourselves. You think we care about this? Listen, man, now I'm an old man nearing the age of 34 in just a week. So I can't speak for the youngsters today. No siree. But guess what? They still didn't come out. You bet on a faction of people that could not produce. Why would you do that? Well, the reality is without that support, Bernie Sanders doesn't really fit anything. And he's not a contender if that's the case. They brag about the youth vote because that's the people that that's the insurgent group backing Sanders who just absolutely didn't come out. 13% of the vote, 13% was the youth vote. That's it. That, that's this. That's the stats that I saw. That's crazy. But guess what? As always, it's the old people who come out to vote. And that's probably one of the reasons why Joe Biden won. They also say at the week, Biden's coalition showed up on Super Tuesday. Bernie's did not because Bernie bet on people who don't have money. I'm, I'm saying that figuratively. Don't make products for people who don't buy your product. Don't try and rally the support of a group that doesn't vote. You'll lose. But what does Bernie really have in that regard anyway? His views are not widely accepted by the older generation. The only reason he's in the race at all is because young people act like they care. And then when it comes down to the vote, they don't care. It's fake. Young people just trying to fit in. That's what it is. Now, for all you real legit Bernie supporters, I'm sorry to say, but it's true. They did not come out for you. They don't really support you. The ideas you hold, these fr- this fringe woke ideology, nobody likes it. Nobody wants to hear it. I'm exaggerating when I say nobody. Obviously, there's enough people to cause problems for a lot of other people. But guess what? Joe Biden's winning, not because of a grand conspiracy. Please drop the rigged primary. It wasn't rigged because the Democratic Party establishment rallied around their candidates. You can, you can argue they're absolutely rallying to, to, to stop you. I think they are. I think that's fair. You can argue the media is lying 100%. You can tell me the Democrats will absolutely sabotage their own party to stop Bernie Sanders. And I agree. Joe Biden, like, come on. That's the guy they endorsed. What? They didn't think Buttigieg could do it. But it's not a rigged primary. That's implying votes were changed or something. Now, it may go to a brokered convention. Fine. There's a lot of things that are rigged about it. I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. And I will absolutely give a little bit to the people who are, who are saying rigged primary. Because I've, I've certainly been there as well, talking about how the rules they set up and, and, and the games they play. But let me tell you something. Bernie Sanders was in favor of a contested convention last time. He's saying, oh, oh the delegate. Now, now he's not. Why? Because he thought he was going to get the delegates. That's why he said it. Well, I hope he stands by what he says. And when Joe Biden gets the most delegates, he doesn't go for a brokered convention and bows out. But how much you want to bet he won't do it? Now that Biden's in the lead, I would be willing to bet Bernie Sanders says, no, absolutely not. We will not be stopped by the establishment. Brokered convention again, even though he said on the debate stage, not the case, right? Now let's talk about why this means, in my opinion, Donald Trump is going to absolutely win. We see that many people aren't going to show up. We see on, on this thread, Bernie or bust 2020. Keep that in mind, that Bernie or bust. And now we see this. Turnout in Texas has already blown past the 1.4 million votes cast in the 2016 primary, primary race. 
between Sanders and Clinton. That's true. 1.95. Now, hold on a second, though. The, the race in 2016 had only two real front runners. And so they, they, they brought in about 1.4 million. Today, we can see that the Democratic candidates have brought in around 1.9 million. However, there were four leading candidates. And you also have this pushback to stop socialism. They're sitting now around 1.92 million votes cast in Texas. Now, you want to know why this number is not impressive? First, Bernie or bust. If the Bernie voters of 592,000 are saying Bernie or bust, I'm not going to pretend that every single one of them won't vote for Biden, but maybe 10, 20% won't, right? 10 or 20% of Bernie voters bow out, which means around 100 or 120,000 votes lost. Now, let's calculate Donald Trump's primary victory in Texas. This will blow your mind. One point uh, around the exact same number of votes cast in the Republican primary. You want to know why that's crazy? Because Donald Trump's running unopposed. Why bother going out and vote? A lot of people probably didn't. Now, here's where it gets truly crazy. The results of the 2016 Texas Republican primary saw Donald Trump with 758,000 votes. Today, he has around 2.6 times more votes in an uncontested primary race. Let's take a look at this. Ted Cruz won the primary. Well, he was from Texas. It made sense. Trump won some areas. Surprisingly, Trump won some areas on the border. 758,000 votes in 2016. And yesterday, 1.88 million votes cast. The total Republicans got 1.95. I made a little spreadsheet for you. We can see that the Democrats mustered 1,952,716. The Republicans got 1,952,542, a difference of just over 100 or so, around 100 or so votes more, 150 or so, more votes cast for the Democrats. That's it. Great. Now move in. Now they said Texas might be a swing state. Okay. Let's move into November then when you calculate Bernie or bust. Look at this. It's a, it's a nationwide trend right now. Bernie or bust 2020. We can see all these people, Bernie or bust. They will not vote for anyone else. You know what that means? It means that fancy number is not going to come out and vote against Trump. It also means that for some reason, people came out to support Donald Trump 2.6 times more people in Texas than last time in a primary race they did not need to vote in. The race among Democrats was an actual race for the nomination. If you were a Bernie supporter, you had to come out. Trump didn't need your vote. He was going to win anyway. Yet somehow these people came out for Trump with the progressive left being crushed, with Joe Biden being out of his mind completely. I absolutely believe that we are about to witness a major, massive Trump landslide. And now let's talk about the reality of Bernie Sanders. Former prisoner recalls Sanders saying, I don't know what's so wrong with Cuba. Maybe I'll do a longer segment on this at six because I don't want to get into too much uh, beyond this. I think we've, we've sort of talked about a lot that we can talk about. But Bernie Sanders has made it a habit of surrounding himself with really, really messed up people. He's catering to really messed up people. His staff say violent things and he lost and they scream conspiracy coup. It's rigged, etc. To a certain degree, I get it. To a certain degree, I, I, I agree with you. To a certain degree, I agree with you. Jank Uger was smeared by the media. He absolutely was. But he couldn't even get 
Sorry, man. I'm impressed with how well Bernie has done so far. But he's surrounded by people like Linda Sarsour, Sean King, the staffers that were exposed at Project Veritas. We know exactly what he surrounds himself with. And I absolutely do not respect him because of it. He should not be the nominee and he wouldn't win anyway. I hope this was a dose of reality for all of these people. But unfortunately, it seems like it wasn't. They're screaming that it was, they're being cheated. That's being rigged. Let's do a countdown until Bernie Sanders calls for a brokered convention, because I think he's gonna because he's going to get a decent amount of delegates, but he's not going to cross that threshold. They're going to go to round two of voting. Super delegate, super delegates are going to come in and it looks like it'll go to Biden because Michael Bloomberg bowed out. So I'll, I'll, I'll end by saying one thing or I'll, I'll end with this. I didn't think Joe Biden was going to be able to pull it, pull it off. I didn't think he was a front runner. I was basing those, those, you know, those opinions off of the current data showing he was tanking in the polls. He was failing and losing. None of it made sense, but now he is the front runner. Now he is winning. The progressives all got crushed, absolutely crushed. Some of them only getting around a percent. And of the most famous, Jen Uger couldn't even get more than five. You think Bernie can win at a national level? It would be McGovern all over again. It would be like Mondale and Reagan. Trump will win over 400 electoral votes. He will win 40 states. Who knows? Even against Joe Biden, I do not see this going well for Democrats. Because Biden, just the other day, get this, he's, he's doing this, his victory speech, right? And he actually introduces his wife as his sister and his sister as his wife and then says, oh, they, oh, they switched on me. No, they didn't. They were standing behind him in the same spot the whole time. And he mixed them up because Joe Biden doesn't know what's happening. But people would rather vote for a crazy old man who can't talk straight than a socialist. Mind you, a 78 year old socialist who just had a heart attack. But I will give Bernie the respect that he deserves in getting as far as he did. It's just not enough. I'll say this. If things continue on this path, don't be surprised when younger people get older and start voting, potentially voting for someone who is a a socialist or far leftist later on. Bernie may be paving the way. I kind of don't think it'll be the case for two reasons. Young people don't vote. And when people get older, they become more conservative, in which case I do not see socialism actually taking off. But I could be wrong. It'll be a couple of years, four years, five years, 10 years. And I'll be like, man, I was sure wrong about that when that happened. But in the end, I hope you see exactly. I hope you understand why I think the way I do that Donald Trump is going to landslide and it is going to be a historic victory for the Republican Party. As more data rolls in, as they claim our numbers are great, voter turnout is huge. What we're really seeing, though, is an insurgency the failure of the far left, and somehow Donald Trump matched the vote in Texas. You want to talk about voter turnout? Don't forget to include the Republican numbers when no one needed to even turn out in the first place. What? You know, uh, 200,000 people could could turn out, guarantee Trump the victory in Texas, but 1.88 million people decided to vote for Trump, even though he's essentially uncontested. That to me is shocking. People really love this guy, and you're going to see it in November. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast News. Thanks for hanging out. I will see you all then. Last night, Bernie Sanders was crushed by Joe Biden. I'll be the first to say I was wrong. I was wrong that I said Joe Biden was not going to win. He was not the front runner. And it's because the polls were showing that he was tanking in, you know, some of these early primary states. And I thought there's no way sleepy, creepy Joe who can't talk straight, 
barely knows where he is half the time. There was one time where he actually turned his back to the audience and walked away from them talking to a wall. I kid you not. Or it was like a TV screen. I didn't think he was going to win. Well, sure enough, uh, Joe Biden actually won the majority of states and the majority of delegates. And the reaction from the Bernie Sanders stands is a bit kind of scary and depressing at the same time. What you see on your screen right now is a video that's getting decent play, which makes some really good points. You'll notice from the response from this uh, user, C. Rogers. But also, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean here, but I think Cenk Uger of the Young Turks is, a, is almost crying. And I mean it. And, and so, look, I understand there's a lot. There's going to be a lot of people who have, I don't know, a bit of schadenfreude, I guess. Maybe want to make fun of him or mock him. I'm not going to drag the guy for being on the verge of tears. I, you know, I'm not trying to be mean, but I, I really do think the guy's on the verge of tears. But he says so much that really bothers me, that needs to be addressed. And I'm going to have to say, you know what, man, you have reap, you, you will reap what you have sown. So many people on the left. Okay, so, so here's the thing. I've got a bunch of reactions I'm going to go through. I'm going to show you some data. But I got to start with this clip because he says some very important things. First, let me just play for you a small sample of what he says so you get a general idea of like what his reaction was. Making, we thought we, I look. A week ago, I would have told you, I did tell you, Super Tuesday, I think we got this. Remember, we were talking about Whisper of a Dream. I think it might be over on Super Tuesday. So I'm not saying this for, on behalf of TYT or anything like that. We thought it was almost over. Bernie was going to win. Now it's not over. Now we're in a tie. And now we got absolute dig-in warfare against the establishment. But we didn't start the war. They'll lie about it again. We didn't start the war. They started the war. They've been lying about Bernie Sanders. For God's sake, on Castro, I could give you a thousand examples. Bernie Sanders said the same exact thing as Obama. Everyone on TV is lying like, oh my God, what an outrageous thing Bernie Sanders said. Obama said the same thing. No, shut up. Don't cover it. Don't cover it. Don't cover it. Obama said the same thing. Is Obama pro Fidel Castro? Same exact thing. God damn it, tell the truth. God damn it, tell the truth. If you're not going to do it, we're going to do it, okay? And so you want to go to war? We'll go to war. And that is what this is. We cannot let Biden win. Guys, not just on progressives versus establishment. This is so important. I need you to understand this. Biden is not going to beat Trump. Biden is either near senile or actually senile. Watch any of the tapes. And Biden lies nonstop. He's going to get caught. He's okay. The media is covering for him, but they're not going to be able to cover when the Republicans come for him. And when and there it is. A few things. First, uh, he's right about a bit of that. Joe Biden lies all the time. He's not going to beat Trump. Yeah. And guess what? The media does cover for him. And you can see this response that I absolutely had to throw in there. He just admitted everything that conservatives have been saying for years. The media covers for the left. They cheat. They lie. He just said it all. He denied it in the past. The kicker is he is only mad about it because his candidate is the one on the receiving end. Yup. You know what, man? I'm pretty sure, you know, well, for one, I have been saying it all the time. Bernie supporters, you need to start calling out the lies about Trump and conservatives, the fake news machine, because it will be used against you. Oh, there it is. They don't care. They wouldn't say it. Some people did. But it, but it only really started picking up when they started going after Bernie Sanders. So you had every opportunity to call out the fake news machine, but it benefited, benefited you and you don't want to do it. 
So now I'm sitting here looking at Jenk Uger of the Young Turks saying Biden lies, they're cheating. And I'm like, no, tell me, tell me more about how the media machine covers for Biden, how the media lies. They try and they impeached Trump on this and you were all about it. But Trump was doing these things to Ukraine. Maybe if you stop to think for one second that they were lying to protect the establishment, you'd actually have some allies in Trump supporters, though you may not like it, but at least they would stop the Democratic establishment from playing these crony games. Maybe, maybe they wouldn't win, but I'll tell you what, a lot of these Trump supporters used to be Democrats who walked away because of this. Well, you stuck around with your hope on Bernie Sanders, and that's fine. I can respect that. But the machine was rigged from the start. The game was rigged from the start. And every single time people like me, more so ambivalent on a lot of politicians, but many other Trump support, many Trump supporters and other conservatives were saying the media lies, the media lies. And you could have said the media is lying. The media is lying. Trump is bad, but we're going to win honest and fairly without smearing the guy. No, because they don't seem to think, in my opinion, I don't think he really believes Bernie could defeat Trump. You know why? He says, Joe Biden's not going to beat Trump. Okay, hold on. If you thought Bernie Sanders policy wise was better than Donald Trump, why wouldn't you call out the fake news, stand next to the Trump supporters when they call it the fake news and say, none of us want the establishment. Y'all can go away and we're going to beat Trump on policy and principle. Instead, they cheered and rallied around the resistance, you know, pink hat people screaming orange man, bad Russiagate, Russiagate nonsense. I don't think the Young Turks were the worst. Rachel Maddow was, was the worst, but they were bad. And all the other fake news, Ukraine gate, all the scandals, everything they played into. I'm not saying the Young Turks are the worst, but it seems like the only time they call out the media is when they're on the receiving end of the fake news. Well, guess what? Could you imagine what would have happened if the Bernie Sanders coalition, which is a large portion of the Democratic Party, and every, basically every Trump supporter were screaming, you're all fake news? These companies would have no choice. Now, already MSNBC, they've gotten, Chris, gotten rid of Chris Matthews. They're bending the knee. So fine. They're making, you know, they're making way on this. But I'm not, I'm not confident and I don't trust them because you had every opportunity to say no and you didn't do it. Now, here we are with you saying they're covering for Biden. Okay, you know what, man? I want to show you some double standards and some funny things. First, we have this. These are the results from Google for those that actually want to know the election, the the primary election results. We can see that Biden has won 453. Bernie has 382. Warren has 50. So right now, there's a collective freak out. There's a trend about Bernie or bust. There are people calling out Elizabeth Warren because she's a spoiler for Bernie Sanders. Let me stop you right there. Bernie Sanders, even with her delegates, would still be behind Biden. But I do think it's fair to say, and I've said this before, Elizabeth Warren is Hillary Clinton wearing a Bernie Sanders mask. And how many of you fell for it? Many people were cheering Warren, the progressive female. No, she's not. She is staying in the race because she's Hillary Clinton in a Bernie mask dragging down Bernie Sanders. Buttigieg and Klobuchar got out and endorsed Biden. Can't you see how they've rigged this game? All right, hold on. I got to say something. I've seen a lot of people saying, Tim, they didn't rig the game. You know, this is just the, the American people saying no to socialism. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. You're right. I accept that. But both can be true at the same time. I think, uh, I think Dave Rubin tweeted about this, saying that this isn't the DNC rigging the system. It's Americans rejecting far left crazy socialism. Yes. And they're also rigging the system. 
The, the, the Democratic establishment doesn't want Bernie to win. He's not a Democrat. He doesn't pay dues. He's an independent. He caucuses with Democrats. Now he's trying to win the, the nomination of the party. He doesn't pay dues. At, well, pay dues figuratively and pr- I think literally as well. He's not a member. So why would he pay them dues? But it's both. Just before Super Tuesday, the moderates bow out and then give their endorsement to Joe Biden. Elizabeth Warren, for some reason, stays in and spoils it for Bernie. Come on, man. Of course, the machine is working to hurt Bernie. But at the same time, that's only possible because many voters reject socialism. It's a combination of the two. If American voters were in favor of socialism, the moderate Democrats and the Democratic establishment would have no chance to do anything. It wouldn't matter if they endorsed Biden. It wouldn't matter if Warren stayed in. If people wanted socialism, they'd vote for it. They didn't. What really happened was presumably they went to the other moderate Democrats who were running and said, it's time for you to bow out. We're cutting you a deal. We're going to take care of you, but we want Biden to stop Bernie. And they did. Presumably something like that. But I don't know for sure. Now let's talk about how funny things have gotten. With Biden now the presumptive nominee, uh, still under the assumption there's going to be a brokered convention, which means Biden will be the nominee. Who will win the 2020 Democratic primary? No one. 61%. So we're still, it's still up in the air. This is one of the reasons why I could, I could be fair and say Warren and Bloomberg won't bow out. As if the super delegates and the, and the, and the uh, other delegates are going to vote for them in the first place, it's not going to happen. Bernie Sanders went from like a two and three chance of being the nominee to an 8% chance. And boy, is the outrage palpable. First, let's talk about double standards. What you're seeing here on Reddit, presidential race memes with 103,000 readers making funny jokes that I actually think are funny. I'm not, I'm not trying to slam them. 9,426 points. Let me, let me just give you all a quick explanation of Reddit for those that aren't familiar. You post an image, a link, a website or something, or a video. People then can, can choose to upvote or downvote. If you get more upvotes than downvotes, it starts to rise, presuming it's getting more upvotes than other things around it. It's a voting system for content that surfaces better content or content people prefer. Now, for the most part, Reddit is dominated by bots and shills for political campaigns. Fine. But we can see that this post, which is titled Me Looking at the Results So Far, has 9,426 points, 88% upvoted. I do think this meme is funny, and I get it. You're allowed to make jokes. And it is the Homer Simpson meme where he dissolves into the hedge, but then he comes back out. So here's what it is. It's Homer Simpson wearing a Bernie shirt, seeing the results. He backs into the hedge and disappears. And all of a sudden, a man wearing a black mask and a black shirt holding a Molotov cocktail comes out. It's a joke. I get it. But let's talk double standards because there are some subreddits that get shut down and quarantined for insinuating such political violence. Now, I know this isn't the worst post in the world. And again, I get jokes. I actually think this one's pretty funny. I'm just saying that Reddit has double standards and allows them to post things like this without question. So what ends up happening to me, it's actually kind of funny because when you advocate for these rules, they do it mostly, in my opinion, because they get away with it, right? The far left, the Bernie, you know, more so the Bernie Sanders supporters than anybody else are going to be advocating for hate speech rules and things like that. They'll post things like this and get away with it. So of course they're going to say we're allowed to do it until they're not. Many of this warn, many of us warned this would happen. This is a post I highlighted the other day where Jordan Cheriton literally quoted Joe Biden and got suspended. Now, the reason I'm highlighting this in this segment is because now Joe Biden wins. 
What you need to understand about censorship on social media is that it's not about, you know, Alex Jones getting banned. So it is. I mean, it is to an extent. But more importantly, it's about small accounts with 100 followers or so, regular people posting their opinions, getting purged. You don't hear their voices when they get removed because they weren't famous. When Alex Jones gets banned, it's headline news. Everybody hears about it. Now, this guy, Jordan Cheriton, has a decent amount of followers. He's got 109,000 followers. That's why we're hearing about it. But here's what I want to propose. He quoted Joe Biden when Joe Biden said Super Thursday. Joe Biden literally said this and then corrected himself. I mean, Super Tuesday, he says. So Jordan was calling him out. And rightly so. Joe Biden is, it's, what, what did, uh, uh, what did Cenk Uger say? He may be senile. I, well, those weren't my words. Those were his. Don't get mad at me. But think about this. We only know Jordan got suspended going after Biden, a progressive, because he's high profile. Just like with Trump supporters, how many smaller Bernie accounts were calling out Joe Biden and getting banned under the rules you advocated for? Now, let me say something. The resistance people, the people who actually want Joe Biden, well, they called for these rules too. They absolutely wanted them. And, that, and then you stood alongside them. Just like when I said you need to call it the fake news, you stood alongside them. And then as soon as you, th- their time came, they slowly turned their ugly heads with a awful demonic grin. And then they come for you. Putting, you know, well, I'll keep the language tame for now. But, uh, uh, but uh, uh, going behind your back, we'll put it that way, and, and shutting you down. I'd be willing to bet there are many pro-Bernie progressive leftists who are small and never heard of who called out similar things and got suspended for this, giving Joe Biden a better opportunity, shutting down criticism of him. You reap what you sow. This is the world you have wrought and you can revel in it. It's on you. I've been sitting here screeching all day and night. Some and, and one of these troll accounts, I, I typically don't give them the time of day. They're like, oh, yeah, Tim, if you're mad about this, why didn't you like cheer on Elizabeth Warren when she was calling out Facebook. I'm like, uh, I did (laughs) literally cheered for Ocasio-Cortez and Elizabeth Warren for calling out big tech and the nightmare machine they have created. Yeah. What else do you want from me? I'm pretty consistent on demanding freedom and liberty and the right to express your opinions. You are the ones who have been advocating for shutting down people who make jokes and have bad opinions. But now that it's come for you, now you're all bent about it. Just like Jank Uger. He's all, they're, they're covering for Biden. They're lying. Wow, that sounds familiar. We've been saying that for a long time now, haven't we? And it's not just the Trump supporters. It's the politically homeless, of which there are many people. I guess it's kind of like an intellectual dark webby kind of thing. Politically homeless individuals who are former liberals who have no problem calling out the machine, even if it's good for Trump, because at the end of the day, we need to make sure we protect the principle, not the person. So I can talk about Trump, Trump, uh, Trump, some Trump supporters talking about how you should be allowed to burn the flag. And I criticize that heavily. You absolutely should. You should. Any flag symbols. But guess what? Some burning of some flags is actually a crime. But let, let's show you the, the, the some more meltdown. This one. I love it. It's Sean King. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean King, you know, him. you love him. Breaking MSNBC and Maddow just reported that multiple senior officials in the Democratic Party are interfering with the primaries to stop Bernie Sanders. They reported that the party has asked Bloomberg to drop out so that Biden would have an easier time against Bernie. Spoiler alert, never happened. And this is where it gets nuts. Rachel Maddow actually calls the dude out. 
Maddow says, what? No, I didn't report any such thing. And guess what? She didn't. Sean King is lying. And, I'll, and I, I, I can show you why. This is the clip. Sean King tweets this saying, somehow MSNBC is now claiming that this very segment never took place. It did. Here it is. Sean King is either really dumb or he's lying. Because in this segment, Josh, I believe it's Josh Lederman is his name, not Rachel Maddow, talking to someone named him. He says, Brian, he never once says anyone was trying to stop Bernie. He said they contacted uh, Bloomberg and told him it's time to get out of the race to support party unity. That was it. They didn't say we need to stop Bernie. We didn't say we need your help stopping Bernie. It's really hard with you siphoning away votes from Biden. He said see, uh, some, some party officials told Bloomberg it's time to bow out. But it is. It has nothing to do with stopping Bernie. It has to do with the fact that Bloomberg failed miserably. How much money did this guy, this, this Bloomberg guy, dump into the election? I'll tell you what, man. I would like to give a, a formal thank you to Michael Bloomberg for dumping hundreds of millions of dollars into the ad market, jacking up ad rates, making everybody on YouTube a little bit more money. Yes, even if you don't do politics, the cost went up rem- uh, remarkably. And that's Tom Steyer, too. So thank you for this. Everybody on YouTube now got to make a little bit of your money ragging on you, mind you, and then you got nothing for it. And I'm so happy to say that you, you want to buy your way into a race. You deserve to spend seven. What do you spend? Seven hundred million dollars. Most of it on TV and really, really bad billboard ads, mind you. But let me explain to you guys how this works. For one, if Michael Bloomberg came to me and said, How Mr. Paul, I'd like I'd like to give you a million dollars to run an ad about me, I'd be like, get out of my face. I I I I'm not I'm not I wouldn't be mean, but I'd say no, I, I I appreciate the offer, but you have a nice day. I'm not interested. But guess what? Bloomberg and Steyer ads still appear on my videos. So does you know Bernie and everybody else. I think uh, you know Trump video uh, Trump stuff appears on uh, uh, as well. But typically the Democrats are going after more so the demographics like mine because you've got centrists and moderates they're trying to, to convince. So you'll see a lot of Democrat ads. I get a lot of messages from people saying that Bloomberg and Steyer appeared like crazy. Now, I can't control that. That's just how YouTube works. And I love the idea that I can smack talk these people and they pay me to do it. Now, I get it. The reason they're buying ads on my content is so that they can counter the smack talk. But hey, it's better than the shills who actually took his money to prop him up. That's gross. But here's the best part. Here's the best part. He tried to buy his way in. He got on the debate stage. He got he got in the now he, he got forty four delegates. Congratulations! I think he won American Samoa. Like bravo, good sir. I mean I, I mean it. You 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 were able to convince American Samoans, uh, America Samoa to, to to vote for you. All right, that's respectable to a certain degree, but an abysmal showing nonetheless. What happens with the ad market is that for every ad Bloomberg and Steyer buys, they're essentially decreasing supply and increasing demand. So ad rates started to go up substantially around 20%. But mind you, this isn't just for political commentary because Coca-Cola, you know, Pepsi, Oreo, whatever, mainstream brands want to advertise on all sorts of content as well. There's finite, well, there's, there's, there is finite space on YouTube for advertising. But for the most part, when you have someone dump $700 million into the ad market in, in the span of only a couple months, the way the ads are divvied out is an auction system. So Bloomberg says, I'm willing to spend five cents for every view my ad gets. So if YouTube is looking at all the companies that are offering, you know, who wants to buy, if Oreo says we'll do three cents, guess who gets the ad? 
Bloomberg because he paid more. That means Oreo to beat Bloomberg has to now say six cents, seven. It's an auction system. And the prices went up, I think, around 20%. So my personal thank you to the billionaires who wasted their money only to lose, only to lose. And then other YouTubers, not just me, got to make a little extra money off of their idiocy. Congratulations, Michael Bloomberg. It's time to bow out. So there, there is still a lot more going on. But what I'm going to do, for those that are listening on the podcast, you've, got, you've gotten the main segment already. But for those that are listening on YouTube, I'm going to do a bigger segment because voter turnout's nuts. We got a lot of data to, to go through. And I'm going to say this right now, the turnout and the numbers we're seeing absolutely predict a Donald Trump landslide. Now you're going to hear from Democrats, they're screeching about how their voter turnout is great. Actually, Donald Trump rivaled, like Donald Trump personally rivaled the turnout in at least one state. So I'm going to go through the data. I think we're looking at a major landslide for Trump. But hey, hubris will be the downfall for Trump, so I could be wrong. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. The death rate from the coronavirus was wrong. For the longest time, everyone had been saying it was around 2%. It is now being reported at 3.4%. Let me make this clear for you. It is 34 times higher than the flu. So everybody's trying to say that it's just like the flu. This includes Trump and anybody else. It's going to pass. It's going to be fine. You are underreacting. And many people are underreacting. Now, for everybody who's rushing to the stores to get groceries, I don't think that's an overreaction. The problem is everyone went at the same time. A lot of the photos we've seen of people, they're calling it panic shopping, but I don't think that's necessarily fair when you hear about a potential epidemic or pandemic with a mortality rate that is 34 times higher than the flu. So please, this is something we absolutely need to take seriously. And now we've got some insane breaking news. Delaying the Olympics is a possibility. Twitter told their staff to stay home. CNN is restricting travel. Apparently, someone working for Amazon has contracted coronavirus. Is it the end of the world? Please stop. No, but the mortality rate is really high, and it would be important for us to get a hold on things and take this seriously. Because right now in Iran, they have just freed 54,000 prisoners as the coronavirus spread. I kid you not. They had to release 54,000 people from prison to prevent the spread. They say temporarily. I have no idea how they're going to get this under wraps. But Iran is in dire straits. Around 10% of their parliament has been infected. Some newly elected officials have died and several government officials have died. This is actually something to pay attention to. I'm going to read this story from Fox about the global death rate at 3.4%. But I want to make sure one thing is clear. The numbers are substantially higher than we know because we are not testing for it. The cases outside of China are rapidly growing. China is probably lying about the problem. They've also implemented authoritarian measures to stop the spread, like barricading people in their homes and banning certain. Well, look, they're authoritarian dictatorship. What what, what do you want me to say? So, yeah, that will help. South Korea has been testing a lot of people. Their numbers are skyrocketing. Italy is being hit hard outside of China. Coronavirus is still growing. So please take it seriously. On a side note, the market seems to be doing pretty well because it's not the end of the world. It's just a serious illness. Let's read from Fox News. Coronavirus global death rate at 3.4%. World health officials confirmed on Tuesday the fatality rate for the new coronavirus is at 3.4% globally, 
as Japan's Olympics minister said there's a possibility the 2020 summer games in Tokyo could be delayed. That would be a huge bummer. But hey, we got to do what we got to do. Conferences around the world are being shut down. I think Facebook apparently shut, you know, canceled some event because they don't want people to be gathering in huge numbers. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, the he- I'm sorry, I'm not pronouncing that right. The head of the World Health Organization announced the mortality rate increase during a media briefing, which differed from the previously estimated rate of around 2% globally. They basically said, oh, you know that mortality rate we were talking about? It's basically doubled. We were wrong. It is double where we thought it was, almost. In comparison, the death rate for the seasonal flu is far fewer than 1%. In fact, the flu has a mortality rate of 0.1%. Don't take my word for it. Let me show you the CDC website. What do we see? On the high end for flu illnesses between October 1st and February 22nd, there have been 45 million people infected with the flu. I get it. It's a lot of people and a lot of people have died. But we've had 46,000 deaths on the high end. That is 0.1%, just above. It's potentially even 0.05 to 0.1%. Most people get the flu. Most people who get it do not go to the hospital for it. Around 20% of the people who have contracted coronavirus go to the hospital, COVID-19, go to the hospital for it. We have seen videos from China and videos from Iran where people are collapsing in the street. Now, I want to make sure, okay, so I want to, I want to, I want to dial things back. I want to make sure everyone's remaining calm, not freaking out about this. But so, so there, there are some important caveats. We'll just do this. Listen, yes, substantially more people have died of the flu, but percentage is everything. The flu kills more people, infects more people. That's just because it's been around a lot longer. Perhaps there was one report saying the coronavirus was traveling as fast as the flu. Here's the thing. We are reacting to coronavirus. We are getting things under control. There may be severe disruptions. Take it all very seriously. This too shall pass, as all things do. So there's no reason to freak out. The best thing you want to do, if you haven't already, don't go out and panic shop like like some people are doing, but maybe go out and go grocery shopping as soon as you can. And I I, I really do mean it. Anybody who would try and shame you, like if you've got emergency food stores, a little bit of water, all of this is smart because as one doctor in Switzerland said, it's about putting slack in the system so that when things do get bad, if they get bad, you don't got to freak out. But I will tell you this, I'm trying, I don't want to get anybody to be to super alarmed over this. I don't want anyone panicking or anything like that. I'm certainly not. Okay. I'm having a good time. Life's pretty good. We just rearranged the set. Everything's fun. But I do want to make sure that there is a moderate voice talking about how I mean, this is real. What are you going to say now to all the people who said it's no big deal? Oh, it's no big deal. It's barely, listen, 3.4%. That's very high. Here's a, a quote. While many people globally have built up immunity to seasonal flu strains, COVID-19 is a new virus to which no one has immunity. That means more people are susceptible to infection and some will suffer severe disease. Globally, about 3.4% of reported COVID-19 cases have died. By comparison, Seasonal flu generally kills far fewer than 1% of those infected. Yeah, 0.1. There are over 90,000 cases of the new coronavirus in at least 70 countries. Over 3,100 deaths have been reported around the world, including nine in the US, all in Washington state. Tedros added, the COVID-19 is a unique virus that is deadlier, but it doesn't spread as easily when compared with influenza. He said this virus is not SARS. It's not MERS. It's not influenza. 
It is a unique virus with unique characteristics. With influenza, people who are infected but not yet sick are major drivers of transmission, which does not appear to be the case for COVID-19. Now, that's something I didn't realize because they've been saying nonstop for weeks that you could be asymptomatic for like two weeks before spreading it. So the number of coronavirus infections in Japan reached the 1000 mark on Wednesday, with 706 of them being on the Diamond Princess cruise ship. Its health ministry reported 12 people have died from the virus so far. It is very likely the flu will be a bigger problem for all of us. But you don't want to be a contributor to the spread of this or, or flu. So seriously, wash your hands, you know, be clean up. Minister Saiko Hashimoto implied the Olympics could be held later in the year and wouldn't have to start on their planned July 24 date. The IOC has the right to cancel the games only if they are not held during 2020. It, uh, only if they're, yeah, Hashimoto told Parliament, according to the Japan Times. This can be interpreted to mean the games can be postponed as long as they are held during the calendar year. The minister's suggestion was quelled by International Olympic Committee spokesman Mark Adams during a meeting of its executive board in Switzerland. We are going to have the games on the 24th of July, he said. New cases dropped again in China on Wednesday, with only 119 reported. The country had 99% of the world's infections as of last month, but now that number is at 95%. The authoritarian dictatorship of China seems to have gotten a hold of things, or they're just lying. I'm probably going to choose the uh, latter, so we'll, we'll, we'll take it with a grain of salt, right? Now, here's where things are actually getting absolutely freaky. In Iran, government officials are dying. The, their, their parliament is nearly a 10% infection rate, and they just let out 54,000 prisoners. Sounds like a complete and total breakdown as they struggle to deal with the virus. They say Iran will temporarily release 54,000 people from prisons and deploy hundreds of thousands of health workers as officials out announced a slew of measures to contain the world's deadliest coronavirus outbreak outside China. Iran reported on Wednesday that its death toll had risen to 92 as 586 new cases were reported overnight, bringing the total up to 2,922 state media reported. You know what's scary about this? When have we ever heard about government being infected? I think, I think someone in the EU has now got it. Have, do we see videos regularly of people with the flu just collapsing in the street? That's why this is freaky. The country has come under pressure to take more action against the virus after Iraq, Kuwait, the United Arab Emirates, and Bahrain reported cases with links to the Iranian city of Qam, where several holy sites are regularly visited by large crowds. After weeks of refusing to restrict visits to the sites, the government on Wednesday said that those trying to leave Qam will be quarantined if they show symptoms of the virus, including a fever. Medical teams will begin taking temperatures of those trying to leave the city, according to Qam University of Medical Science uh, Deputy Dean Ali Abrazi. He also said the university was building a field hospital to tackle the outbreak, according to state media. So let me let me let me just mention something, man. China mass mobilized. They built four hospitals really, really quickly. And we thought the mortality rate was much lower. It's not. I think it's fair to say China has been withholding very important information. They know this is bad. They know it could be worse. And we need to make sure we, we react under the assumption that China is lying to us. Tom Cotton said it. We should listen. After weeks, oh, so, so uh, uh, where, where are we at? Iranian officials initially reassured its nationals the virus would be contained, but it has been forced to implement new controls after 23 members of parliament tested positive for the virus and an advisor to Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei died on Monday. Whoa, I hope the, I, man, so what, the, the Supreme Leader might have it too? It's his advisor. 
I heard the Pope, the Pope was sick. They're testing him for coronavirus. We'll see what happens with that. Iran's first vice president, Ishak Jahangiri, issued an order to government ministries, with the exception of the foreign ministry, suspending travel to international conferences and gatherings until further notice state media reports. Britain's stuck in Iranian jails. Iran's judiciary spokesman, Golam Hossein Esmaili, said the health ministry would oversee the release of prisoners, but did not elaborate on where they would be kept or how authorities would keep track of them. Semi-official news agency ISNA reported, the health of the prisoners is very important to us regardless of their status as security prisoners or regular prisoners. It was also unclear whether Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe, the British Iranian mother jailed in Iran on espionage charges, would be among those released. Zagari Ratcliffe believes she has contracted coronavirus in Evan Prison outside Tehran, according to a family statement released Saturday. On Tuesday, Iran's ambassador to the United Kingdom, Hamid Biden Nijad, tweeted that Zagari Radcliffe did not have coronavirus amid calls for her to be tested. He added that she may be granted a furlough on Wednesday or Thursday to join family in Tehran. Her husband, Richard Radcliffe, told CNN her release has not yet happened. The UK's foreign office said in a statement, we're following up the, following up the Iranian ambassador's comments on Nazanin Zagar Radcliffe, Zagari Radcliffe and are urge, urgently seeking clarification from the Iranian government on her situation. It also called for information from Iran on reports that the virus was spreading to Evan prison and, and to immediately allow health professionals into Evan prison to assess the situation of British Iranian dual nationals there. People in Iran are among those in many countries panic buying goods in case the outbreak worsens. The country is facing a shortage of hand sanitizers as demand for the products soar in in the sanctions hit nation. Mahdi Shah Moradi, a board member of Iran's National Medical Equipment Producers Association, said the country has increased its production capacity of alcohol, a major ingredient in sanitizer since the outbreak. But the logistics has made getting more products to people difficult. The coronavirus that originated in the Chinese city of Wuhan has now spread to all continents except for Antarctica, killing more than 3,000 people and infecting more than 90,000. Iran seems to be, in my opinion, actually the hardest hit. And the reason I say that is because their government is freaking out. They're releasing prisoners. Now in China, they're literally the hardest hit in terms of those infected. They're both authoritarian regimes, but in China, their crackdowns worked and they've started to stabilize things. Iran's government has been hit. Now that's where it gets scary. I don't know what this means, but we know that in Europe and in Italy, there are serious infections. I don't know if this will get worse than the flu. And I don't know what to tell you. This is a, this is a page that I, uh, I highlighted earlier. And I just want to make sure that this data is absolutely clear to everybody. Please you just go to the CDC website. If people say the flu kills more, say yes. It's also been around for several months longer And there are still flu infections. We get that. We have flu vaccines. We have an apparatus to deal with these things. We know how to spot them. And most people don't go to the hospital for this. And around 0.1% of people actually die from it. 3.4 from coronavirus. The people who died in the United States, my understanding, were in a nursing home. But this is probably spreading far and wide. We've got reports of a family in New York City. There was a kid who tested positive and now his family. And I believe his neighbors may be as well. That means... The people we haven't yet tested or the people who are currently infected but asymptomatic, we don't know about. So it's going to be in the thousands. A New York doctor said this. Wash your hands. 
Don't you, right now. The joke is that instead of shaking hands, you you know you you click your boots together, you click your feet together, something like that. I, I think that's a silly and a phony joke, but take this seriously. I, I I really really hope you do. So I don't know what else you know to expect from from this coronavirus, but I can say that it's consistently gotten worse. Consistently gotten worse. Don't panic. A lot of people are are you know I've gotten some message from people saying like oh you're riling people up. It's like dude. I'm reading CNN. I am reading CNN telling us right now the mortality, mortality rate is, is basically like 70 or 80% higher than we thought it was, 3.4%. So please take it seriously. But chill out. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCast is a different channel, and I will see you all there. Los Angeles has declared a state of emergency with six new cases. Before I show you that story... I want to show you something that's causing a bit of panic and try and be rational about what we're seeing. Alarming video shows man 25 wearing medical mask passed out in the middle of the sidewalk in New York during the coronavirus outbreak. We can see in these photos, this guy isn't just laying down. This guy passed out wearing a mask. This, this is in Queens, mind you. Now, here's the thing. We don't know exactly why he passed out. Occam's razor would suggest some sort of illness because he's wearing a mask. It could be any illness. Everyone right now is going to jump to coronavirus because of the outbreak. But this is similar to what we've seen in Iran and China with people collapsing. Do not panic or freak out. It may be a confirmation bias. One of the reasons we often don't see news stories about this is because the coronavirus isn't always breaking out and freaking people out. I have witnessed people pass out in the street actually several times in my life, especially when you live in a big city. But don't ignore it. We want to take this very, very seriously, especially as LA is declaring a state of emergency. That, like, man, the worst thing anyone could do is panic. Do not forget that. Have a plan, have supplies, and keep calm. Otherwise, you actually make, thing, make things worse for yourself and for others. But I got to say, this one freaked me out. Hey, don't look at me, man. They're reporting this. This happened in New York. This guy was collapsed in the street. It's just like what we see in Iran and in China. So yeah, kind of freaky take it seriously. But here's the story from, from uh, Fox 5 LA. They're in, I'm sorry, San Diego. Six new coronavirus cases and declaring a state of emergency, stressing that they were acting out of an abundance of caution and not panic. LA County officials Wednesday declared a state of emergency for the novel coronavirus as six new cases of the disease were revealed in the county in the last 48 hours. Appearing at a morning news conference attended by LA Department of Public Health officials, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti and L.A. County Supervisors Catherine Barger and Janice Hahn. The officials said the declaration would allow greater coordination among various levels of government. On Tuesday night, hours after the County Department of Public Health announced plans for the news conference, officials with Kaiser Permanente confirmed to various media outlets that it was treating a newly diagnosed coronavirus patient in Los Angeles. If you did not see the update I did around 1 p.m., the mortality rate is almost double what they thought it was. 3.4%. I'll tell you what, man. It could be going up. I don't know. It could just be higher. It could be unreported cases. We don't know exactly. And we're trying to get a handle on what's happening. But I will say it. I will. I said it before and I'll say it again because not everybody watches every video I make. The people who are telling you it's just another flu are wrong. Now, it may not travel faster or, or more efficiently than the flu, 
Some reports have said yes. A recent report I saw said no. The World Health Organization is saying it's not as fast as the flu. But the mortality rate is essentially 34 times higher now. The previous number was wrong. I seriously hope you have gone out, gotten a little bit of supplies. Do not rush. Do not panic. Let's read more. Kaiser Permanente is overseeing the care of coronavirus patient who is home in self-isolation and being treated on an outpatient basis, according to a Kaiser statement. We are in touch with and monitoring the patient. No other details were released about the patient or how the person may have been exposed to the illness that has killed more than 3,100 people worldwide, mostly in China. They want to say 93,000 people have the virus. But I also want to make sure that we point out, well, it is growing faster outside of China than in China. And as I stated before, this is an issue of testing. If we're not testing, we're not going to know. But outside of Los Angeles, I got I to show you this. Coronavirus is a pandemic, reports the Daily Mail. Germany says, uh, this is what Germany is saying, after 22% spike in cases overnight, as Poland becomes the latest country to record a case and Iraq confirms its first death. The coronavirus outbreak has turned into a global pandemic, Germany warned today, after it was hit by a spate of new infections and Poland became the latest country to report a case. Health Minister Jens Spahn said the outbreak, which has been teetering on the verge of a pandemic for weeks, has now surpassed the level of a pandemic and warned the worst was still to come. Germany reported a 22% spike in cases yesterday, taking the official toll from 196 to 240. There have been no virus deaths recorded in the country yet. The World Health Organization has so far stopped short of calling the crisis a pandemic, despite the outbreak fitting the bill. And there's a reason why I think that is. They don't want panic. Los Angeles declared a state of emergency to look at access to funds, easier, you you know, use of, of, you know, more efficient process in government, which can be really important in times of crisis. But they're they're stopping just sort of saying it's an emergency. They're saying we're just being cautious. If there is a panic, there could be concerns of running banks, stores being raided. But I got to tell you, man, the store is getting hit. It's already happening. The world, uh, the UN health body, which has previously described the situation as a public health emergency of international concern, defines a pandemic as an epidemic that spreads throughout the world through local transmission. As an increasing number of people who haven't been to China continue to catch the virus, it seems it is only a matter of time until World Health Organization officially declares it a pandemic. The coronavirus outbreak has so far killed more than 3,200 people and infected over 94,000 worldwide. Check out this map. There, there we go. Look, if you were, if you were, if you've ever played the game Plague Inc., we can see in this map, like almost every country is now being infected. These are what we know. We are not testing everybody. Not every country is testing everybody. But so far, the death toll has been going up, mostly outside of China. Now, now China's enacted authoritarian measures. I'm not a big fan of that. We can see, you know, a lot of the, a lot of photos. They say the Iraqi preacher who is suffering from underlying health issues, died in hospital in the Kurdish province of Suleymaniyah just hours after he contracted the disease. Now, now, how do we know it was just hours? How do we know? He had recently met with Iraqis returning from Iran, where the virus has been running rampant. Iraq has so far, Iraq has so far recorded 31 cases of the virus, one Iranian student who has since been sent home, and 30 Iraqis who had all traveled back from Iran. Iraqi authorities have closed land borders with Iran and banned the entry of foreign nationals traveling from there and other badly affected countries. Schools, universities, cinemas, cafes, and other public places in Iraq have been ordered to shut until March 7th to further contain the outbreak. 
but many to continue to operate normally. The outbreak has fueled public panic among Iraqis who say the war ravaged country's healthcare system cannot handle the epidemic. This is the bigger issue around the world. You can talk about how in the United States we're going to be fine and all that, even though this is pretty serious, we probably will be fine. But what about in less developed nations, poorer nations who don't have hospital beds and can't handle this? We saw somebody in Queens pass out. Fortunately, we, 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 like, it might not be the coronavirus. We don't know. Many people probably will make that assumption. But there's hospitals all over the place in New York. It's a pretty wealthy place to live. But what about places like Iraq? These people are going to get sick. They're going to transmit. It's going to ravage their countries. Already in Iran, 10, around 10% of their parliament was infected. They say many hospitals in Iraq are poorly equipped or, or, or in disrepair after successive waves of conflict. According to the World Health Organization, there are fewer than 10 doctors for every 10,000 people. Imagine if this reaches the same level as it did in China. Elsewhere, South Korea's surge in cases takes the country's total to 5,612. Most cases were in and around Daegu, the city at the heart of its crisis. It has meant six people with other sick people with other conditions are unable to get hospital beds in the city because they are occupied by virus sufferers. The flu-like disease has been rapidly spreading through Daegu, Daegu by members of a fringe Christian group. So we know most of this stuff. I'll move on. They say the World Health Organization admitted the decline is real, dispelling rumors that China has been masking the true scale of the outbreak. I don't buy it. Sorry. I know you want to stop panic. And that's probably the right thing to say. But I'm not someone who believes in lying for the sake of, you know, the ends justifying the means. I think we need to hope that people remain calm and make sure they're informed, because when you lie is when they stop trusting you and when they panic. When the people come out and say, don't buy masks, you know what the pe- my friends started saying to me? They're saying, don't buy masks. Quick, go buy masks, as if telling people not to do something would make them not do it. You need to be honest. And just instead of screaming, don't buy masks, say things like, they're not necessarily effective, but if you do get some, it will pr- prevent you from spreading the disease. So keep that in mind. Just be honest about it. They say the virus, uh, the virus is slowly petering out in the outbreak's epicenter as millions of citizens are forced to stay in their homes. Hey, really easy to contain an outbreak when you're an authoritarian dictatorship. Got to admit, Tehran's judiciary said that the uh, so that so Tehran released a bunch of inmates. So so we know all this stuff. I'll give you one one last little bit, one one more uh, update here on the coronavirus. Google cancels one of the biggest of annual events in San Francisco amid fears of the coronavirus outbreak. This is Google I.O. This is a huge event being shut down. The tech giant announced that its annual in-person I.O. conference in San Francisco, its biggest event of the year, is being canceled more than two months before it's slated to take place. Due to concerns around the coronavirus and in accordance with health guidance from the CDC, WHO and other health authorities, we have decided to cancel the physical Google I.O. event at Shoreline Amphitheater, wrote the company in a statement. It is looking into an alternative format for the conference. The company said, yeah, I don't see that happening. This is having a serious impact on our economy. Now, the market apparently was going up really well today, but people are going to be out of work because of this. This is bad news. And it's probably one of the reasons that Donald Trump is trying to downplay it also to prevent panic. So I can respect that. But I do think a little bit, a little bit of this on both sides is political. I got to admit, mostly coming from the Democrats, but we are going to see less people working temporarily. We are going to see market slowdown, supply chain disruption, prepare accordingly. The information earlier was wrong. The mortality rate is higher. Germany is saying it is a pandemic. We'll see how this plays out, but please stay safe. Stick around. Next segment's coming up in a couple minutes, and I will see you all shortly. 
fringe conspiracy theory network MSNBC host Katie Turr was shocked to find that Latinos, some of them actually support Donald Trump when she asked a man and he said that his daughter loves the president and is going to vote for him. I think if MSNBC spent more time in the real world talking to people, this wouldn't be shocking to them at all. But they live in the fringe kooky world of Russian spy thrillers and cyber attacks shutting down electricity. So I'm not surprised. Katie Turr has she's had her run ins with pushing fake news in the past, to say the least. So, of course, fake news reporters and conspiracy theorists are are, are, are shocked to find out that real people feel certain ways about the president that most of us who pay attention already knew. Let's read the story. MSNBC anchor shocked to learn Latino voter supports Trump. Oh, my. MSNBC anchor Katie Turr was shocked to learn that a Latino voter will be supporting Republican President Trump in the November election. Turr's surprise came during an interview with an East Los Angeles voter who told her through a translator that he was supporting Bernie Sanders. Tur asked whether the man's daughter was pushing him to support Sanders and was told that she was actually supporting Trump. Your daughter's going to vote for Donald Trump, she asked, surprised. Por qué? I don't know. She loves him, the man said in Spanish, further explaining that the strong economy is why his daughter supports Trump. The translator joining Tur called the voter's response fascinating and told her that a stubborn 10 to 15 percent of the Latino vote supports Trump. I don't know what the exact reasons are. But there, but there tends to be that certain conservative flank within the Latino community, the translator said. He also said the Latino law enforcement officers and Latinos concerned with the economy were the main base of conservative Latino support. Recent polling has shown Trump with a, uh, shown Trump with a stable 30% approval rating among Latino voters, which brings me to this other story to help explain to the conspiracy network of MSNBC why Latino supporters support Trump and why this is a serious problem for the Democrats. I will just tell you, as someone who's gone to a bunch of rallies in Florida and talked with Latino Trump supporters, there's a couple really obvious points. It doesn't matter what your race is. The economy matters. So there are a lot of people who are like, I don't care about none of that. Get me a good job. Make the economy work well. However, I have also spoken with the children of immigrants and legal immigrants themselves who are angry that they fought so hard to earn their place in this country as legal residents and citizens, only to see the Democrats now say they want to open the doors for everybody. This is not an issue of them saying it's not fair because I worked hard. It's an issue of them saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. The reason we worked hard was to maintain a, a safe balance to weed for, you know, weed out security concerns to protect the economy. So we entered in the correct way to earn our position receiving the benefits of this great country, these people will come in and take those benefits away after we worked so hard to earn them. It is not an issue of them, of at least the ones I've talked to. It's not an issue of them saying, it's not fair that they get an easy ride and I didn't. It's them saying, I worked really, really hard for these benefits. And now they're going to get a portion of my benefits and the taxes I pay and do nothing for it. They're going to weaken what I've fought so hard to earn. More like these people will take away from everyone else. The Atlantic reported a couple weeks ago, President Donald Trump has done almost everything he can to anger Latino voters. And yet his support among this crucial portion of the electorate remains surprisingly consistent. After the 2016 election, exit polls analyzed by the Pew Research Center showed that 28% of Latino voters supported Trump. And today, 30% support him. 
why that's an increase. I think after what we saw on Super Tuesday, some things are painfully obvious. Trump is going to sweep in November. They talk about how the voter turnout was up. Let's take a couple of factors uh, into uh, let's 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 bring in a, f- a couple of factors to, to explain this. First, people hate Trump. Absolutely. So a lot of people are going to come out because orange man bad. But this is a primary election, not a general voter turnout was up potentially because people are scared of or support Bernie Sanders. But also Donald Trump's voter turnout was up substantially and people didn't even have to go out to vote for him. It's possible the reason people are coming out to vote is because there are many Democrats who are scared of a socialist takeover. The turnout might not be anti-Trump. It might be Trump ambivalent, or at least to a certain degree, anti-Trump in the sense that people are going to vote for Biden thinking Bernie couldn't win. But it's also true, I think it's fair to say, we have seen several polls showing minority support for the president is up. And it's funny to me that an MSNBC anchor would be shocked by this because anybody who's read any news and paid attention to the polls knows all of this is true. You know what I say when I see when I see a Latino supporting Trump? I say, and I've been there, done that. I've seen the polls. Of course, there's a lot of them. What about when, when you when you hear about 30, 30 percent black support for Trump and Candace Owens, Kanye West? Who's surprised by that? Apparently, the people who live in a bubble reality of Russia conspiracies. The Atlantic says, This percentage may not seem high, but consider what the number means for the Democrats. Displeasure with the president over the past three years has not led to an increase in support for the opposing party. In fact, Trump has more support among Latinos. That says a lot. I think it says that they haven't been able to muster a real defense. I mean, they're not offering anything. Simply going around screaming orange man bad every single day doesn't encourage me or anyone else to vote for you. It's actually frustrating and quite annoying. Please stop doing that. Maybe you can campaign on real issues and you'll see a turnaround. Unfortunately, they probably won't. Democrats lost 2016 election with about 66% of Latino vote. Today, 65% of registered Latino voters who are Democrats have a positive view of the party's presidential candidates. So you see how this, this number becomes a bit confusing. I don't know if they did that, did that on purpose. Based on exit polling from the past three election cycles, I estimate that Democrats need about 70% of this vote to take back the White House. Let's try and break down what they're really saying here. They lost in 2016 with 66% of the Latino vote. Of registered Latino voters who are Democrats, only 65% support them. I think they're playing a little weasel game here with these numbers. 66% of Latino vote was not the entirety of, 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 uh, of Latinos. Some Latinos are conservative. 30% makes sense. Those are, num- th- those are the numbers we see. If today only 65% of registered Latinos are, voters are Democrats, that means the Democrats are looking at around 40% of the Latino vote because even their own Latino Democratic registered members are not happy with the party. Get it? They're playing weasel games with numbers. They need about 70% of this vote to win back the White House, which means you're going to need 100% of Latinos on board. If, tw- if 30% support Trump, 100% of the Latino community needs to support the Democrats. Lo and behold, they do not. Having worked at the Congressional Hispanic Caucus during the Obama administration, I am firmly aware of the power of the Latino vote. And so I have been watching these numbers with alarm. When Democrats reach out to Latino voters, they are too focused on immigration and say too little about other issues these voters prioritize. If they want to win over enough Latino votes to retake the White House, 
Democrats must continue to fight for the immigrant community, but they must also offer a positive aspirational narrative that embraces Latinos as a vibrant part of America. Dare I say they don't do it. They don't. They, what, what they do is every single issue when they talk about Latinos is illegal immigration. I have to imagine legal immigrant Latinos, second, third, fourth, fifth generation Latino Americans who have no consideration on the immigration battle are probably wondering why it is the Democrats only ever talk about illegal immigration, DACA and deportation. Look, I can't speak on behalf of you know the Hispanic community because I don't know. But I personally feel it's, it's, it's irksome when the Democrats pretend to care about issues pertaining to marginalized groups, and they don't. They give a caricature. My family history, they don't like. They think Asians shouldn't be allowed, in, you know, that, they, that uh, Harvard should be allowed to discriminate against Asians based on test scores. Yet they want to come to me and say all of these things about why, I, why, why they deserve my vote. No, I don't want to hear it. Perhaps if you actually talked about how my kids can get into school, how I can afford better health care, how I can improve my life, find a better job, I'd be listening. Instead, I find it fascinating that instead of talking about general issues like Americans care about, they focus on the stereotypes. Now, I can't say uh, I'm surprised to find this man's daughter loves Trump. Trump is a strong man. He is funny. He is mean and boorish. But I'll tell you what, people like that. Democrats don't, don't seem to get it. Some people really don't like it. And I, and I think it's important for Republicans to get that too, of which some do, many don't. But the thing is, some people just look at Trump and they're utterly disgusted by the way he speaks, the way he looks, the way he acts. Now, I don't think that's a good enough reason to say you wouldn't support somebody if their policies are good. But if you don't like him and you don't like his policies, well, that makes sense. That's going to be a hurdle for Trump. He said recently at, I think it was CPAC, he's a mean guy, but he works for you. Well, a lot of people don't want a mean guy working for them. A lot of people think it's important. In the end, what Democrats seem to be focused on is orange man bad. That's it. And that's the point we'll take away from here with the Latino vote. They're talking almost exclusively about immigration as if they don't really have anything to offer the American people. So they stereotype the cause they offer. And don't be surprised when 30 percent don't. Re- it doesn't resonate with them. The implication that the Latino community, Hispanic voters only care about illegal immigration is shocking to me. The implication that every single Latino in America has ties to illegal immigration is shocking to me because I grew up in the south side of Chicago with a lot of Spanish speaking people and many of which had their families have been in this country for 100, 200 years, longer than my family even. So look, I can't speak on their behalf, but I'll leave it there. I just I get sick and tired of the stereotyping. They do it to me. They do it to everybody. I'll wrap it up. Stick around. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is political poison, if you were to ask me. She is unliked in swing states. In fact, according to some polls, she's unliked in her own district. But it seems to me that she's, she's built up a Twitter universe. That's her constituency, Twitter universe. These are pockets of people that live all across the country, not a a, a cohesive community. If she has won over anyone, she has absolutely won over the Twitter district. Unfortunately, the Twitter district doesn't vote and is not a real place. When it comes to the candidates she's endorsed, most of them have done quite poorly. So consider this a bit of an, uh, uh, an addendum to my main channel video. But I want to talk about her 
and the and the other progressives that for some reason Bernie Sanders decided to embrace and surround himself with people like Sean King and Linda Sarsour. Congratulations on losing Super Tuesday. Maybe he'll win, but he lost. And I think that plays a role. Get rid of the lunatics and stop surrounding yourself with people like this. Because remember when AOC, she went to a Bernie rally when Bernie was doing the impeachment trial and she said, Bernie wants to break up CBP and ICE. And Bernie's campaign freaked out like, no, stop, stop, stop. We want border security. That's too extreme for us. It was too extreme for Bernie, but it didn't matter. I I assure you that resonated with people and they were like, whoa, not interested. Let's read about the AOC aligned progressive candidates who fell flat on Super Tuesday. Fox News reports the Democratic, uh, they say uh, AOC progressive, Rep. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's progressive candidates did not have a Super Tuesday in the first congressional primaries of the 2020 cycle. The Democratic establishment, on the other hand, could breathe a sigh of relief after three primary challengers from Texas and California underperformed in highly anticipated contests against longtime Democratic incumbents and establishment darlings. A favorite of progressives across the country, Texas congressional candidate Jessica Cisneros, an immigration lawyer, came just short of recreating the AOC primary upset of her own when she attempted to unseat nine-term incumbent Henry Queller, who represents the Texas 28th district of South uh, South of San Antonio. She played strong to her progressive roots and often referred to Queller as Trump's favorite Democrat, also receiving high-profile endorsements from Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Congratulations on losing, by the way. Ocasio-Cortez herself tweeted Wednesday, I am so incredibly proud of Jessica Cisneros. At 26 year old, she ran for office for the first time to offer Texas 28 new leadership that fights for workers, gender rights, and climate agenda. She stood up to the Koch brother money and incumbency, and she claimed co- she, she came closer than anyone imagined. Now, I'll stop there. Absolutely, these people have my respect for running. While we may disagree on politics, it is absolutely your right, nay, your duty to stand up for what you believe in and run for office. We need more young people doing this. And I can absolutely respect that. But I disagree with you a lot. I don't know everything about her policies, but I know AOC is a narcissistic, arrogant egotist. And she, in my opinion, is political poison. But let's read on. They say, meanwhile, Christina Zinsun Ramirez, the progressive backed candidate for a Texas Senate seat, is struggling to make it to a runoff with MJ Hager, the Democratic establishment's favored, uh, favored pick to face longtime Republican Senator John Cornyn in November. While no candidate won more than 50% of the vote in the race, returns show Ramirez locked in a battle with Texas State Senator Royce West for a place in the runoff with Hager. Another AOC-backed candidate, Georgette Gomez, did make the initial cut and qualified for the general election for California's 53rd district located in San Diego County. However, she came in second with 19% of the vote against the establishment candidate, Sarah Jacobs, who received 28%. In California, as one of the top two primary vote getters, Gomez automatically qualifies for the November general election. So not all bad, and we've seen worse. But I don't think you should be jumping up and down excited for an endorsement from somebody that's, you know, widely criticized, often by by people in swing states too. All three challengers were endorsed in the last month by Courage to Change, a political action committee formed by Ocasio-Cortez to help progressive challengers take on establishment incumbents. Well, the Justice Democrats band broke up. Jank Uger and Kyle Kalinske got the boot. Saket Chakrabarty was kicked, you know, he left AOC's campaign. And now 
she's doing a new thing, but it seems like the, the Beatles are no more, to, to, to uh, give you an analogy. Despite the fact that all three candidates had strong organizations and fundraising numbers, the youth vote that they were desperate to turn out did not appear to show up. Oh, heavens, who could have seen that coming? You tried to get money from people who don't have money. You pandered to an audience that will never put up, they'll, they'll never put their money where their mouth is. Congratulations on convincing yourself that the Twitter universe was real life and that young people were going to vote for you. Well, they didn't. In Texas, especially, only 16% of voters were 18 to 29. That to me is crazy. 29? Like, come on, dude, you're an adult. Go vote. I mean, now nah, what can I say? I didn't vote either. Well, I'm not, my primary wasn't up yet, so. Compared to voters who were 65 or older who made up 24% of the vote, youth voter turnout was only 13% nationally. Here, here. Let me give a round of applause to all the Democrats who banked on the one demographic that never shows up and everyone knows they don't show up. And don't be surprised come November when they don't show up. The types of candidates that Democrats put on the ballot have been the center of a big feud between AOC and the Democratic leadership. Though she is one of the highest profile members of the party and one of the biggest fundraisers, Ocasio-Cortez has refused to donate her share of fundraising to the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee due to their policy to blacklist vendors who work with progressive primary challengers. The top Democrat in the House, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, got personally involved in the race between Cisneros and Queller when she visited the latter's campaign office in Laredo, Texas, just a couple weeks earlier, calling for a resounding victory to her longtime ally. While these are only the first congressional contests of the election cycle, they could serve and serve an early litmus test of how the Democrats plan to present themselves to voters in November. In the 2018 midterm elections, midterm elections, Democrats were able to win back the House largely because of their focus on less progressive candidates who mainly focus on kitchen table issues such as drug prices and health care. Now, I think this is an, a bigger problem with a radical fringe chaotic force with no real plans or policies. Some of them have ideas. Bernie's make no sense. Bernie embraces gutter trash, violent individuals. He hires them to his campaign. He won't denounce them because he is literally amassing a junk mannequin. It is a framed statue made of trash to make it appear as though they have a fighting chance. And that's why they don't win. Because Americans do not want a communist revolution. They do not want a socialist revolution. They do not want complete government takeover. They want reasonable changes to make their lives better. And Bernie has surrounded himself with some of the most insane, disgusting people the internet has to offer. These people on Twitter, like AOC, Sean King, Linda Sarsour, they are not particularly prominent in the real world. Here's what happens on Twitter. You get people who come online and maybe 0.1% of this country is a socialist. And I think socialist is a lot higher than that. But let's say there's a fringe opinion held by a tiny fraction. Well, online, these people can hide behind anonymous accounts and then follow you and support you. And it feels like you have this big coalition behind you. But in the real world, they're hiding in their basements and they do not make up the water coolers, the town halls, the real conversations that are happening in this country. So when you embrace this lunacy like Gillibrand and Warren and other people have, what do you think is going to happen when you show up to a town hall and you say something like Warren did about having a high schooler vet your education secretary? They're going to be like, she's nuts. High schoolers are stupid. They don't even vote. Why would you give them the right to say who should be a cabinet member? But Warren literally did that. Welcome to the Democratic Party in 2020. I, I swear you've got 
the collapse of the Democrats propping up Joe Biden. There's no leadership. It's the old guard. They are failing. On the young side, it's a disparate, chaotic force that wants to cancel everybody, has no principles, doesn't even vote based on what they want to happen, just on who they think will win. They say crazy things about crazy people. They don't even all agree on their own policies. And Bernie Sanders embraces these lunatics. And many of these people march through streets with crowbars, baseball bats, smashing windows and starting fires. Uh, Here's what I want you to do. If you support this stuff or are questioning whether you're interested in supporting it, why don't you go visit Berkeley? Go to Berkeley and go to the go to the, the strip just off the Berkeley campus and look at all of the bent knees, all of the signs in the windows begging, please don't smash my windows. I'll do whatever you say because I'm pathetic and my spine was torn out a long time ago. You know what, man? If someone came to my neighborhood and said, put the sign in your window for the party or you'll get what's coming to you, I'll say, I'm waiting for what's coming to me. And I'll tell you what, I'll one up you. I'll put a big middle finger in my window. I'm not bending the knee to any of you lunatics, but I've been to these cities and I've seen the signs like in like in uh, Oakland. I saw a sign on Burger King saying, please don't smash our windows. We're a family owned franchise, not a corporate corporate store. That's the world they live in when they support this gutter trash. So that's what you get. And I'm not saying gutter trash about the politicians, the progressives, the people running or AOC or Bernie Sanders. I'm talking about Antifa. I'm talking about these fringe lunatics who run around smashing things. That's the gutter trash being weaponized by people like Bernie Sanders. They're violent lunatics. Stop supporting them. What's that? You need their support. The media props them up. Well, so be it. You will lose and you deserve to lose. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all next time.